There was a hole in his heart that only God could fill. And so Jesus told him on no uncertain terms that what he must do is this. He must be born again. And that's not only for Nicodemus, that is for everyone and anyone. You must be born again. And then Jesus spoke the most famous verse that we find in all of the Bible, John chapter 3, verse 16. This is a great verse. It's a famous verse. If you're watching football this afternoon, you may see somebody hold a, a poster up with this verse, John chapter 3, verse 16. We're going to read it, and we're going to read it together right now. Here it is, all right? This is out of the old King James. Why don't you read it with me? Would you do that? All right, let's read it together. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, before I get into the message, I want to talk just for a moment about this verse, because the verse by itself, in and of itself, is a message. It's a sermon. There are 25 words, English words, that make up John chapter 3, verse 16. And the very middle word, which is the 13th word, is the word Son, capital S-O-N. And that is in reference to God's Son, Jesus Christ. So we could literally say that Jesus is in the middle of the most famous verse in all of the Bible, all right? Now, the 12 words before we get to the middle word, which is Jesus, is all about God, okay? This is a description of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten. That is a description of a holy God having this wonderful love for us. It's what He did for us, all right? Then we have the word Son, Jesus, and then the last 12 words are all about mankind. It's all about us. What does it say? That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So just the words to that verse are a sermon in themselves. Really, this is what that verse is saying. We, we've got a holy God and we've got sinful man and right in the middle is Jesus Christ. He's bridging the gap between the two. Well, that's good, isn't it? I mean, that's a great message right there. Isn't it? I mean, really. That's really what the Bible is all about. you got a holy God and a sinful man. There's this big gap between the two, and Jesus Christ is the bridge. He's the only way a sinful man can get to a holy God. It's the Son. It's Jesus. Woo! Man, I wish we had some Pentecostals in here right now. That, that is pew-jumping stuff right there, man. In fact... That would be good enough to say amen and go home over, wouldn't it? Oh, you just wished, all right? I got four points for you, because all good sermons have at least three, and this is a great sermon, so there's four, all right? What we're going to do this morning is dissect John chapter 3, verse 16, break it down, because what we need to understand today is what Nicodemus needed to understand, and this is, how can I go to heaven? How can I have a relationship with God and how can I know that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life and how can I know that I'm going to heaven? Let's break this verse down. Number one, you must acknowledge God's passion. If you want to go to heaven, you need to understand God's passion and acknowledge that. 
What do I mean by this? Well, you need to understand this morning how much God really loves you. It all starts with you understanding how much God loves you. In fact, this is God's passion, His love for you. I'd say it like this, God is passionate for you. A lot of people think God is mad at them. You know people like that, don't you? That God's mad at them. He's this, he's this big dictator up in heaven with a steel stick. He's just waiting to beat me on the head with it. Because God is mad at me. Well, I'm going to tell you, God is not mad at you. God is mad about you. Okay. Did you get that? God's crazy about you. Really, that, that, that is the whole issue of what the cross is about. How crazy God is about you and how much God loves you and how passionate He is for you. The Bible in the most famous verse says, God so loved the world. Now what does that mean? Well, first of all, we know the Bible says God is love. It doesn't say God has love. It says God is love. It is His nature. It is His essence. That's who He is. God is love. The Bible says that God created everything to be objects of His love, including you. Including me. God made you to love you. That's why you're alive. He brought you into existence through your parents' DNA to love you. And this verse says, God so loved the world. That is, His love is beyond comprehension. In fact, I would say this morning that we will never be able to fully understand how much God really loves us because we don't have the brain capacity to do it. Now, I'm not doubting your intelligence today because I know there are some smart people in this room. A whole lot smarter than I am. But we just we don't have the capacity to fully understand and grasp the love of God. I read this week an illustration that put it this way. It would be kind of like an ant, a little ant, trying to understand the internet. Okay? For us to really understand God's love. We just don't have the brain capacity to understand how much God really loves us. But the Bible says He created the entire universe just so He could create humans, just so He could love us. That's amazing. That's amazing. Let me read a verse that describes this in 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Now, I told the first service, and I'll, I'll repeat it to you because you need to know this. All the verses I'm going to read today from now on are going to be out of modern translations. Translations that are real easy for us to understand because I want you to get this. I want everyone in this room to understand what it really takes to get to heaven. And so all of these verses are going to come out of translations that we can easily understand. This is the way we talk, alright? This is the New Living Translation. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. God showed how much He loved us by sending His only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. He sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That's pretty simple, isn't it? That's just the way it is. This is how much God loved us. He sent His Son into the world to take away our sin. God didn't just say He loved us. He showed us. 
He proved it to us in the most expensive and extravagant way. He did it by sending His only begotten Son for you. Now, I heard this. I've heard this ever since I was a kid. In fact, when I was a little boy, my preacher would say it all the time. I would go to revivals and I would hear evangelists say it. We don't say it or hear it much anymore, but it's still true. And it goes something like this. Even if you were the only person on earth, you remember this? Okay. If it was just, if you were the only one on earth, and you sinned, and you messed up, and you blew it, and you ruined your life, God would still send His only begotten Son just for you. Because that's how much He loves you. It is about you. He loves you. He cares for you. That's how much He loves you. And I believe that God brought you here this morning. I believe He brought every one of you. Listen, He brought you here this morning so that He could tell you, I love you. And that's what he's doing right now. Steve, he's calling you by name. Steve, I love you. Jason, I love you. He's calling each one of us by name. He wants you to know today. He's using me as the instrument. I'm just the vocal piece. I'm saying it for him. He's speaking it through me. He is telling you today that he loves you. He loves you. That's the starting point to understand and to recognize and acknowledge this great passion that God has for us. God loves us. Number two, you need to appreciate God's present. He's got a gift for you. Alright? It's a present. And the gift is His very own Son. That's the second part of this most famous verse. God so loved the world. That's His passion. That He gave His only begotten Son. That is His present. It's His gift. And God says, all I want from you is for you to acknowledge and appreciate the great gift that I'm giving to you. Now notice it doesn't say, God so loved the world that He sent an angel. It doesn't say that God so loved the world He sent a prophet. Or He sent a really great teacher or a moral and ethical leader. No, it tells us He loved the world so much that He sent His only begotten Son. Now what does that mean? It means that God said, I'm going to come Myself. This is so important, I'm going to come to earth in human form. And that's what Jesus was. Jesus was God in human form. Jesus is God's Son. He is the physical representation of God here on earth. And Jesus came to earth for the express purpose of taking care of the biggest problem we have that we can't take care of ourselves. It's our sin problem. Now, Christmas is right around the corner, and so adopt a family is right before Christmas, but I just say that to let you know adopt a family's coming. My, one of my favorite Christmas verses is Matthew 121. I don't have it on the board for you, but I want to just share it with you. Here's what Matthew 121 says. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's why Jesus came, to save us from our sins. Romans chapter 3, verses 24 and 25 says it like this, and I'm reading out of the message, Jason's favorite translation, 
Peterson's translation. Here's what it says. Out of sheer generosity, God put us in right standing with Himself. A pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where He always wanted us to be. And He did it by means of Jesus Christ. He sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear that world of sin. What a great gift. Romans 5, 6 says it this way out of the New King James. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly, for sinners like me and you. Now, why did Jesus have to die? Well, in the first place, let me put it like this. Nobody's perfect. None of us are, are we? Nobody in this room is perfect. We've all made mistakes. We've all blown it. We've all sinned. Hey, I don't, I don't stack up to my, my own standards. I don't measure up to my own standards, much less God's. And you probably don't either. The Bible said it like this, For all have sinned. All of us have sinned. That means me, you, the Pope, the President, Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, the list goes on. Everyone, all of us are in the same boat. We've all done things we regret, haven't we? Can I get a testimony? No, no, don't testify, please. I... We've all sinned. Along with that, the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. Every week you, we you work, and at the end of the work week you get a paycheck. That is your wage for the work you've done. We've all sinned. The payment for our sin is death. In other words, let me put it like this, if you do the crime, you pay the time. Or that's the way it's supposed to be, alright? That means somebody's got to pay for all the things that you've done wrong in your life. Either you or somebody else. Either you go to hell, and there I said it, hell, it's a real place. That's where you're going without Jesus. Make no mistake about it. Either you go to hell or somebody pays the debt for you. And that's where God stepped in. God said, I'll do it. I created you. I love you. And I will pay for all the things that you've done wrong in your life. Praise God for that. Now what does that mean? It means that everything you've ever done wrong and everything that I have ever done wrong up to this point, even the things I'm going to do that are wrong, even the things I don't know about that I'm going to do that are wrong, and all the things that you're going to do that are wrong, has already been paid for by Jesus Christ on the cross. He paid for it through His blood. Okay, that's good news. It's great news. The Bible explains it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.21 out of the Living Bible. God took the sinless Christ and poured into Him our sins. Then in exchange, He poured God's goodness, that is, God's righteousness, into us. That's the divine great exchange. What a great deal. The, the word for this, there's a word for this, grace. It's the word grace. Grace is God giving you what you need, not what you deserve. So here's the deal. 
God says, I'm going to take all of Will Harmon's wrongs. I'm going to take all the sin that Will Harmon has ever committed or will ever commit. I'm going to take all of his sin and I'm going to bundle all of that sin up and I'm going to put it on my son, Jesus Christ, as he hangs on the cross. Jesus is literally dying for Will Harmon. He's taking Will Harmon's place. And not only Will Harmon, but the sin of the world. I'm going to take the sin of the world and I'm going to put it on my son Jesus. And Jesus is going to die for the sin of the world. And if that's not good enough, he said, what I'm going to do next is take all of the righteousness that is in my son Jesus and I'm going to put that righteousness on Will Harmon and on you. What a great deal. What a wonderful thing. That's how we can have our sins forgiven. That's how we can go to heaven. Through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So first, you acknowledge God's passion. Second, you appreciate God's present. And then thirdly, you accept God's proposal. God's got this incredible offer for you. One like you'll never find anywhere else. It's this. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And then here's the proposal. That whosoever believes on Him should not perish. Notice the who of this proposal. Who is this proposal for? It's for the whosoever's of the world. And who are the whosoever's? Titus 2.11 tells us, Living Bible. The free gift of salvation is offered to everyone. It's a free gift. And who is it offered to? Everyone. Jesus is an equal opportunity Savior. <laughs> salvation is offered to everybody. In fact, it even gets more specific in Colossians 3.11, Living Bible. One's nationality or race or education or social position is unimportant. Such things mean nothing. Whether a person has Christ is what matters, and He, Jesus, is equally available to all. <laughs> wow. Notice it doesn't matter how much money you make, you got a lot, you got a little, it doesn't matter how rich or poor you are, it doesn't matter what your economic status is, it doesn't matter what your ethnic or racial background is, it doesn't matter your social prestige, it doesn't even matter what religion you come from. Jesus died for you. And Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. Notice how you accept God's proposal. Romans 3.22, again, Living Bible. God says He will accept us and acquit us if we trust Jesus Christ to take away our sins. We can all be saved in this same way by coming to Jesus, no matter who we are or what we've been like. <laughs> Amen. Wow. Someone right here in this room might be saying, you know, preacher, I've just messed my life up too much. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. Or you might say, I've lived my life too long without God. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. I read this week, somebody said, it doesn't matter what you've done, who you've done it with, or where you've done it. Understand what I'm saying. Right now, it doesn't matter what's in your past. 
It doesn't matter how bad you've been or even how good you've been. What matters is what direction are your feet pointed right now? Are you looking to God? Are you trusting in Jesus Christ? Are you headed towards Him? There's only one condition to accepting God's proposal of eternal life for you. And here it is. You must believe. You must believe. Whosoever believes in Him will not perish. Now let me talk about believing just for a moment. What does it mean to believe? Believing is not just knowing. Believing is trusting. It's not just knowing about Jesus. It's not just saying, I believe that Jesus is God. You believe that? Well, big deal. You say, I believe in Jesus. Big deal. So does the devil. But you're not going to find the devil in heaven. The, nev dev the devil knows Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So it's more than just saying that. It's trusting in Jesus. It's trusting in Jesus. It means more than just having a head knowledge about Jesus. It means that you have a heart knowledge about Jesus. The word believe literally means to trust in, to cling to, to rely on, to commit to. You don't just believe with your head, you trust with your heart. Okay? Now, just so you'll get it, let me... Uh, let me do this right here. I think this is the one I sometimes sit in. This is a, this stool looks kind of weak, doesn't it? I mean, there's not much. There's just this little pin thing holding this together. I mean, that does that really doesn't look that strong. But you know what? I'm going to look at that. I want to look at that stool, and I'm going to say, you know what? I believe because I'm a preacher and I can talk like it. I believe that that stool will hold me up if I sit in it. I believe that. All of me. Last weigh-in, I was 232. I said that first service, somebody in the back said, ooh, wow. <laughs> David, let me tell you, muscle weighs more than... <laughs> right? I mean, that's what we believe. Whatever, whatever. I can say... All day long, I believe that stool is going to hold me up. But it doesn't mean anything until I come over here and do this and actually sit on it. Because I'm doing right now more than just saying I believe this stool will hold me up. I'm trusting. I am trusting. I've, I've, I've went across the line and I've, Jason, I've committed that this stool is going to hold me up. Do you get that? Let me say it like this, and please follow what I'm about to say. I believe in Karl Marx. That is, I believe he was a real human, a real man who really lived. I believe that he was the founder of communism. But I'm not a communist. I believe in Hitler. But I'm not a Nazi. I believe in Jesus Christ. And I am a Christian. What makes the difference? Well, I've trusted Jesus. I've committed my life to Jesus. I believe and I trust in Jesus. Now here's the big problem. A lot of people know about Jesus, but they don't know Him. Many people are going to miss heaven 
by about 18 inches. They've got a head knowledge, but not a heart faith. And my friend, that is exactly what it takes. You've got to believe that He is the Son of God. You've got to trust Him with your life. You have to believe and trust that Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins. God made you for a purpose. And the number one part of that purpose is get to get to know and love God and trust Him through a personal relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. Then number four, you anticipate God's promise. Now, let me review the four things that we've talked about in John 3.16. Number one, God so loved the world. That's God's passion. And, and here's what I do. I admit that. I recognize God's passion. It's for me. He loves me. Number two, He loved the world so much that He gave His only begotten Son. That's His gift. That's His present. And I appreciate that. Number three, that whosoever believes in Him, that is His proposal, that we believe, that we trust. Number four, should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the great promise. Did you know? Did you know that you were made to last forever? You were made to live forever. Now, one day you're going to die, that's a fact. One day... Your body is going to come to an end. You're going to stop breathing. Your heart is going to stop beating. But that's not going to be the end of you. No, no way. God wants you to live forever in heaven with Him. That was His plan from the beginning. That we would spend forever with God in heaven. And, and, and that's the goal. I mean, that's it. To live your life in such a way by trusting Christ and living for Him that you spend eternity in heaven. There is another option. Hell. Now, I know people don't like to talk about hell, but let me hell is a reality. It's real. It's a place. And without Jesus, that's where you're going to spend eternity. In hell. Now, we don't talk a lot about hell, and, and I'm not going to talk much about hell this morning, but I am next week. Okay? And I know that's the weekend after Thanksgiving. Some of you may be gone, but I got my eye open. I want to see who comes back and listen to the sermon about hell. It's the reality of heaven and hell. And I'm going to talk a lot next week about hell. We need a good sermon on hell. They really do. It's real. You don't want to go there. But, but let me tell you what hell is this morning, very briefly. Hell was made for the devil and his demons. That's, that's why hell was made. Without Jesus, that's where you're going. Now, a lot of people believe a big myth about hell. They think hell is a place that you go if you're really, 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 really bad. Maybe like a serial killer or an axe murderer. And these same people believe that heaven is a place you get to go if you're pretty good. That if, if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, you get to go to heaven. And here's where most people are. Most people want to be good enough to go to heaven, but bad enough to still have fun down here on earth. Right? I mean, I'm just, you know, talk about the message. Here's Will Harmon's version right here. That's the way it is. That's where most people are. 
That's what they want in life. But the fact is, if you could be good enough to get to heaven on your own, then Jesus coming and dying for you was a total waste. But the truth is, heaven is a perfect place. And only perfect people get to go to heaven. And we are not perfect. And let me tell you this. God doesn't grade on the curve. You ever been to Six Flags? Taking your kids to Six Flags and, and they got all these cool rides. Really the coolest rides are the ones with the little yardstick or measuring stick by, beside them, aren't they? And there's a little line right there and says, you, you must be this tall to ride on this ride. Now what a bummer. I mean, you know, the, 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 the tickets for kids are midgets. I shouldn't have said that. The, the, the tickets for small people are just as much as the tickets for big people. Right? You're not following my logic here, right? The, the, the point I want to make is this. There's that line right there, and it says you've got to be this tall to ride this ride. And I've been with them. I've been there as a little kid. You're, you're, you're going like this. Am I, am I tall enough? Right? you imagine getting to heaven? And God's got this mark, this standard. It's about a thousand feet high. And it says, you've got to be this good to get into heaven. We don't have a chance. We, we literally, we don't. That's why we need Jesus. Literally, what Jesus did when He died on the cross, He purchased our ticket into heaven. Notice God's promise in 1 Peter chapter 1, Living Bible, verses 3 and 5. We are now members of God's own family. And God has reserved for His children the precious, it is a precious gift, the precious gift of eternal life. It is kept in heaven for you. And God will make sure that you get there safely to receive it because you are trusting Him. And that's what you need to do today. Trust Him. Trust Jesus. Right now, Jesus wants to welcome you into His family. Right now, at this very moment, Jesus is ready to save you. Have you ever personally accepted God's gift? Have you ever invited Jesus into your heart? Said, Jesus, I believe, I trust in You. I accept You as my Savior and my Lord. Take away my sins. Save me. Have you ever done that? If not, why don't you do it today? In fact, I'll tell you what. Let's just pause right now. Let's pause right now and let's do that. Bow your heads, would you? Everyone bow your head. Maybe you're here today and you've never invited Jesus into your heart. You can do that right now. Or maybe you've done that once before, but you're not living for God. Other things have gotten in the way and, and, and you're not as close to God as you need to be. Well, you can pray a prayer similar to the one I'm about to mention. But if you'd like to pray and ask God to forgive you of your sins, pray, pray something like this. Say this. Dear Jesus, I want to thank You for loving me. I want to thank You for coming to earth for me. I want to thank You for giving Your life for me so I can go to heaven. And I accept Your free gift 
of forgiveness and salvation. I want You to be the Savior of my life. I trust You. I give my heart to You. Save me. Forgive me. And help me to live for You. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer, would you look at me? With everybody else's head bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer, would you look up here at me? You have just done the most important thing a person can do. And if you mean that prayer with all of your heart, God has saved you. He's changed you from the inside out. Your name is now written in this special book that's called the Lamb's Book of Life. And on Judgment Day, when we all stand before God, that book is going to be open. And only the people whose names are written in that book are going to be allowed to come into heaven. So you see how big this is? Inviting Jesus into your heart is the biggest thing, the most important thing that we can do in life. And if you have just done that, here in a moment when we have our invitation, I invite you to come to the altar and confess Jesus as your Lord. We want to pray with you and help you to grow in Jesus Christ. And then for the rest of us who are here, guys, listen, I've tried to make this sermon as simple as I possibly can. I want you to know you need to be living for Jesus too. And a lukewarm lifestyle just won't cut it. God's done too much for you. It's either all or nothing. You need to be fully committed to Him. And so if there is something in your life that you need to come and pray for forgiveness over or get right with God, during this altar call, I invite you to come and pray. And then for the rest of us, this next week is Thanksgiving. I can't think of a better Sunday to come and thank God for John 3.16 than today. To thank Him for His great love and His incredible gift. So really, this altar call is for all of us, isn't it? For all of us to come just as we are and pray to Him. Heavenly Father, I pray that You'd help us to do that. 